you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Explained is a production of the NFL in partnership with iHeartRadio. Hello, beautiful people. That's like my M. Rob introduction. Yes. I'm trying my best. Did I bring it like you, you would? You did, like, man. I'm, I'm, your voice conveys way more emotion than mine does, <laughs> but I was trying to do the intro like you would do it. It's a brand new edition of NFL Explained. Mikey M. Michael Robinson with me. I'm trying to match your energy level and your positivity. So I yes. promise as we are teasing head coaches and saying they don't really do anything, I'm <laughs> going to say it with a smile on my there face. There you go, man. So. People can hear the smile through the sound waves, through the airwaves, man. But I'm doing great. It's another football week. Can't wait to talk some ball with you, brother. Yes. Well, part of that conversation, and I'm touching on it a little bit, is the fact of we, we watch all these games. We see these head coaches on the sidelines. And I know what you're thinking. Like, what do these dudes actually do? Right? <laughs> yeah. Like, it's game day. They got coordinators. They got, you know, different dudes running around. Position coaches. The mm-hmm. whole thing. We've all seen hard knocks. We've seen how big the coaches' rooms actually are. It feels like they're just dudes, like CEOs almost. Just saying, hey, point one direction. Get this done for me. It's getting a little bit more CEO-ish uh, as we, you know, evolve. But I'm glad I get to talk about it today. I can finally say what I want to say about head coaches without getting fined. You know what I mean? You know, when you're a player, you get fined, you say some negative things about the head coach. Yeah. Do we, <laughs> do we, yeah, I know. Even when, <laughs> and I've heard from you, you've actually gotten phone calls after some of the things that you've said about head coaches in commercial breaks. Yes, on but I'm television. not even getting paid by him anymore. Yeah, I'm no. in the media and I still get the call. And, yes. you, and you told that coach, you can't find me this time. Can't find me, no, coach. No, not going to happen. <laughs> uh, look, and there's some coaches that are out there. You got the old heads, the OGs, so to speak, the Belichicks of the world that certainly come to mind. You got the McVeighs on the other side. It, it feels like it runs the gamut in terms of personality, style, the whole thing. Is there really a need, though? I think that almost might, because we always hear this phrase, like, oh, there are professionals out there. Do you actually, like, really need a head coach? I know that sounds sort of ridiculous because of what we're (laughs) used to, but, like, to not really know some of the intricacies, I think someone might ask that question. I'll start by saying this. I believe, Mike, 
that every human being walking the planet needs a coach. So I'll start by saying that because some days we wake up, some days we are motivated. Some days we, you know, we wake up on the bad, yeah. on the wrong side of the pillow. And sometimes, sometimes you just need somebody to help uh, 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 kindle that fire that's already inside of you. So you need sure. somebody to help bring it out. And a head coach in football is no different, right? It helps provide direction. And again, I only played for a few head coaches in the National Football League, so my experience is a little limited. But I'll, I'll talk about Pete Carroll because I know a lot of our listeners sure. know exactly who Pete Carroll is. He provided direction for us. And I know that's very simple and, you know, whatever, but it's a lot of different layers to it. He had different messaging. So I was with the Seattle Seahawks from 2010. My last season was the 2013 season, four seasons. And the messaging, especially early in the season in 2010 when I first got there, was totally different than the messaging he was saying in the 2013 season when we had the quarterback, we knew our defense worked. We had the running back in beast mode, who's a generational back. Like we had all the pieces. In 2010, he was more talking like, hey, guys, we're going to be a thorn in some people's behinds, man. They Like we're not going to be a hard out. I know I just got here and I'm talking to Pete Carroll. He's like, I know I just got here. I know we're... We broke a they broke we broke a record for like transactions like two hundred some transactions during like I don't know training camp or something like that. It was, it was a lot, right? We we were getting guys in and out of the locker room. We used to actually play a game in the locker room. Like, all right, we're gonna guess who's gonna walk through here today. Like, oh, it was Jesus. that many guys going in and out of the locker yeah. room. We would we would try to guess it, but that was the messaging in twenty ten. Better, by the way, coming in than going out. Absolutely, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and we went to the playoffs with a seven and nine record. 2011, it changed a little bit because our team was a little bit better. We still didn't quite find the quarterback. 2012, we found our quarterback. 2013, we knew that the league was on notice. We knew that we were one of the best teams in the league. We knew that this was kind of our time. And Pete provided that direction. He told us where we needed to go, and obviously we responded to it. Yeah. How often did you see coaches being willing to evolve? Because as I'm looking at you and you're telling me about some of your experiences in the NFL, I'm thinking back to one of our previous episodes when we talk about evolutions of offenses and quarterbacks and, you know, the story in your recruiting process at Penn State, you know, mm-hmm. dual threat. or You were a real dual threat quarterback. And that wasn't something that Joe Paterno, for example, no. was, was used to seeing. No. I think about him as old school as it really gets. And yet he was willing to make those changes. The adaptability factor, are the more experienced guys less willing to make those changes? Yeah, because doing what they've done in the past got them to where they are. So they're like, well, why would I change when that version of myself has elevated me to getting the job of my dreams, being a head coach uh, on whatever level that, that, that may be? But I will say this, deadlines force change. Deadlines force change. We know that in business. We know that anytime there's a, you know, the trade deadline, you hear nothing about a damn trade. And then all of a sudden, 24 hours before the trade deadline comes, all of these speculation things, you know, stuff starts to happen. And even with Joe Paterno, I think the change happened because, first of all, college football changed. And then I think it was pressure from the board of trustees to fire him. I think there was pressure. There's pressure from front offices and owners on head coaches whether you're young or whether you're old, but especially because we're talking about some of the older ones, you better change or you lose your job. You see what I'm saying? That that, 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 uh, deadline is the (laughs) losing your job part. And when you get, not I will say threatened, but when you get presented with that type of a situation, head coaches are in one of those situations where they're like, I either got to get with the program or die sticking with my program, which most of them evolve. 
Well, M. Rob, you know, the younger guys, Pete Carroll, as you made reference to, is not necessarily a young guy anymore, <laughs> but has sort of that that young way about him and obviously came from USC, Joe Paterno, sort of the old school mentality. I want to take you through some new head coaches. Okay. 32 head coaches in the NFL. 10 of the 32 are in the first year with their teams. Mike McDaniel, Brian Dayball, Matt Eberflus, Nathaniel Hackett, Kevin O'Connell, Todd Bowles, Doug Peterson, Dennis Allen, Lovey Smith, and Josh McDaniels, just to name those guys that are out there. Okay, so there's a physical appearance for some of the coaches <laughs> in the league. They just look young. And guess what? Yeah. Because they are young. As of this season, the average age of an NFL coach is 49.2 years old. There are 19 coaches over 45 and 13 under that age. Wow. Yeah. Let's start with the offseason where the NFL coaches have a little bit of a lighter schedule, though, because I think it's important for us to kind of dive into what a lot of these guys are doing on a regular basis. Offseason, you're like, oh, yeah, it's light. No, it's still kind of busy here. You got staffing issues that you need to address, coaches that are leaving, moving on, guys that you need to replace them with. You're sitting down with your general manager, mm -hmm. talking about free agents, draft strategy. My Lord, I know the conversations that happen in this building <laughs> around the draft, and it's pretty epic. There's only one head coach who has the role of GM, that title, and coach. That's Bill Belichick. Yeah, he'd done that before. Mm -hmm. We've heard that. Some of the most successful early head coaches that were also GMs, Early, Curly, Lambo, Paul Brown, <laughs> I know you like that one, yes. George Hallis, Vince Lombardi, shout out Fordham University. Bill Parcells, by the way, notoriously said about being a coach GM, quote, they want you to cook the dinner. They can at least let you buy the groceries. Perfect. Yeah, I'm also <laughs> the dude that doesn't want to buy the groceries, but definitely wants to eat and doesn't want to cook. That's my role. I do go to the grocery shopping at my household. There seems to be a little bit of a weird disconnect when there comes to the general manager that makes personnel decisions and a coach that just has to deal with it and make the best of it. Pete Carroll, and you brought him up earlier in this podcast, he's not GM slash coach. He's the executive vice president of football operations. Mm -hmm. Basically what that means, he actually has a huge say in personnel. As the guy that's on the sidelines, M. Rob, that also has a say in who's on his team, is there a benefit? to what they're doing up there? It is a small benefit just being that you do want your head coach who represents the coaching staff and that you want those guys involved in the personnel decisions because those are the guys who have to deal with the personnel on a day-to-day -day basis and make the schemes come off the paper into reality. And that involves, you know, dealing with the players, dealing sure. with personnel. So I do think that's a good setup. I look at it as like this. I know you just explained all that business stuff. You know, and I get it. You know, we live in the Western world and, you know, we got to have it. It's capitalism and you got titles and all that type of stuff. From a player standpoint, this is what it looked like to me. It looks like good cop, bad cop. This looks like an opportunity yeah. during negotiations, call. during uh, whatever the case may be. And I'm just going to use Pete and John because those are my guys. Those are guys I know. But I'm talking about all GMs and head coaches and which head coaches who have a little bit of a business role as well. Hey, man. Who going to play bad cop today? Who going to play good cop? You know, where's the price point? Okay, this is where we want to sign them from. Okay, I'm going to tell them how much we love them. And this, that, and the third. you going to hit him with the business side. And when he gets upset, I'm going to get him over here with me and tell him how much I love him. And, and, you know, and they just go and, and, and they do the dance. And I think it's, it, it's good to be able to have somebody who exclusively looks at personnel being yeah. that general manager role. And it also, again, from a coaching standpoint, who has to deal with the player every day gives 
somebody to blame stuff on. Hey, yeah. man, it's just John, man. It's John. He wanted to let you go. That won't me, man. I love you. You know what I'm saying? That's the good cop, bad cop dynamic. It does make some sense, but it also <laughs> strikes me as really difficult to balance both of those roles because that's a lot of responsibility. Got to delegate, man. But then you're not, your fingertips aren't on everything then. And look, maybe Mike, that's not the worst only thing. only 24 hours in a day, bro. You got to sleep for eight hours. That gives you 16. I mean, you got family. I mean, it's only, it's only limited. Yeah. So yeah. you have to be able to do the research on your coaching staff to know that the guys you have around you are going to do the work. That's why you see so many guys take their homies and friends that get entry-level jobs and they just skyrocket up the organizations because it's all about trust. Again, it's human relationships. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. I came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of BitCon, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carvin and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Uh, welcome back to the NFL Explain podcast. Okay, so as far as the responsibilities are concerned, I mentioned the staffing issues that are there. You got league meetings, you got off-season programs, strength and conditioning workouts in April, early May. You got the rookie football development program, rookie minicamp in mid-May. You got voluntary OTAs in May and June. You got mandatory minicamp in June. How important is the head coach when it comes to those activities? Like in the offseason? Yeah. Oh, man. Um, like they're not, you know, taking you through those workouts. No, so. they're not. Yeah. They're not. The coaches, they put, I mean, you know, you see Pete Carroll throwing the football around, but they're not really doing nothing for real. They just, you know, they're just having a good time and whatever. But I, I will say this, just like I started off the podcast and saying, they still provide direction. So, yeah, we may not meet every day with the head coach in the offseason, but we do meet every week. And that one meeting, that one big team meeting we'll have a week, yeah, the coach will talk about the goals. He'll talk about, hey, man, we got some fat guys. I'm looking at I'm yeah. looking at the weights coming in, man. You need to stop your extracurricular activity. Or we got the draft coming up. You know what I'm saying? These are the holes in our roster. You know what I'm saying? These are the needs. We Just, again, putting everybody on point, making sure everybody's focusing on the right thing. And then – Schedule. That's so important. Like football players just need to know the schedule. The schedule is probably the most posted thing on any NFL locker room. It's on every TV. It's on everything. When do I got to go in for workouts? <laughs> when do I got to talk huh? to my coach? When do I got treatment? And when can I get the hell out of this building so I can go see my family? Yeah. I mean, and, and the coach is vital in setting those landmarks and setting the schedule. Very important. Uh, Rex Ryan, who obviously was a former head coach, he actually said his biggest regret in coaching was missing the birth of one of his children. He said, quote, I missed that one. Not recommended. That's my biggest regret in coaching. That's, a, you know, like this is a labor of love in I a lot of ways. Labor. I won't miss my sons. Yeah. We got to a certain point. We were playing Tennessee. I was with the 49ers. We were playing Tennessee that Sunday. Me and the doctor, we talked. If we get to Tuesday that week and he ain't here, we're doing we ain't do it. Yeah. Tuesday came. We walked in, we was partying, we had the music going, yeah. we induced him. He came when we had him come. Yep. <laughs> Part now, I don't have children. I can't imagine how many people who are listening to this pod said, you had music going? A yeah, little we dance had music party? going. I got okay. a whole video. I edited it and everything. <laughs> that, that does it's sound like an Rob type of move here. <laughs> Let, let's talk a little bit about your typical Monday through Saturday for an NFL coach. You got okay. a ton of meetings, various people. You got full team meetings almost on a daily basis. You, they're sitting in on offensive, defensive, and special team meetings, position group meetings. Most have regular conversations with their team owners along with front office executives most meet regularly with player leadership committees mm -hmm. uh, and rob you know about that because yep. i know you were that dude Been on all of them. Uh, various meetings with others you got training staff strength and conditioning coaches you got quarterback gurus that it might be helping out you got obligations to the media that you have to go and do can't you just get one zoom going and just no. be like yo it's a wrap no because that you know, that, that leadership committee, uh, yeah, I've been on a lot of them, and you'd be surprised some of the things that have been, oh my, you ever seen that show First 48, where they put the spotlight on the criminal, no. and then they start asking them questions, That's and you? then you start seeing them shaking yeah. and start folding, away. man, it'd be a bunch of telling on people in them meetings sometimes, I'd be like, man, shut up, man, you ain't, you ain't, Mike, I have taken more fines in those meetings because I will not tell on my teammates. I have personally wow. taken the fine. Because I will not tell on my teammates, uh -huh, Golden Tate. Did I say that out loud? <laughs> he was, I say that out loud? He was actually up here. Uh, <laughs> was he? Yeah, he did a show with he us. He owed me $10,000. 
and I don't, and I ain't gonna say what it was for on this podcast, but maybe snitching, man, because you know the coach be like, hey, what's going on, man? You know what's going on with the team? Do we need to go? Do we need to take the pads off? You know me, I'm fullback. I'm always saying, yeah, man, take the pads off. Yeah. Man, take the pads off. My defensive lineman, they hurt. My offensive lineman, they hurt. Quarterback got touched last week. Take the pads. You know, it's stuff like that. But man, guys be snitching. I'm not gonna talk about. And again, our, our listeners. Can you can, give me an example? You're not gonna call anyone out. Our listeners can guess. I've only played for two teams, Mike. Okay, it's not very hard. I only played for the San Francisco 49ers and the Seattle Seahawks. Man, I've been a part of a meeting, man, with this dude went in that meeting. And J- Coach said, hey, man, so what's going on? And he just started spitting all types of stuff to the point where guys are like, dude, shut up. Yep, I'm not going to say who the guy was. I played with a lot of different guys in the National Football League, Mike. I'm just saying sometimes that turns into a big tattletale fest. But head coaches in season, let's, let's see. Watch me transition this yeah, thing. Yeah, you're trying hard. Thing. I want to steer back it back. <laughs> Watch me steer this thing back. Head coaches in season, look, man, you got to think. They're meeting with they, – they have staff meetings early every day, right? Because think about it. I talked about – the head coach You're doing a good job direction. staring at the Come other on, way. Dog. This, I'm a professional <laughs> talker. This is what I do, yams. Okay? Coaches have to set the direction. And so every part of that football building has to be on the same page. When we won our Super Bowl in Seattle, every, I'm talking about the janitor, which was ended up being uh, Beast Mo's uncle. The janitor knew what we was trying to do. We wanted a dynasty. Everybody was on the same page. So you have staff meetings with everybody in the organization. You got the medical staff, everybody, nutritionists, everybody talking everything. Then you have a straight coaches meeting. Got to talk about the coaches, how the issues from medical staff, how does that go along with the game plan this week that's going to affect the personnel changes that could possibly happen. And I'm talking about this happening on Monday when Tuesdays when you bring in players in to work them out to see if they could be on your roster for that week. So, again, and that's before the team meeting. Sure. And we talked about the team meeting where the coach actually has to, you know, talk to the team and, and the players and things like that. So it's a lot that goes on. And, Mike, usually team meetings, which was the last of the meetings I'm talking about, Team meetings usually happen at 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah. So what early. I'm saying is there's a lot that goes on before that meeting that a head coach has to go through. One thing you haven't mentioned is film study. And mm-hmm. that's all I ever hear about from a player's perspective or the players that don't do it, which we don't need to get into. That was well chronicled uh, before the season started. But also the coaches. Take me through that. So a head coach looks at film. A lot of times a head coach is looking at those, looking at tape and stuff when Players have to be in other areas. Players may be going through their position meetings. Players may be going through workouts, whatever the case may be, where the head coach doesn't have to be there. That's when he's going through his tape. That's when he's setting the direction. That's when he's saying, okay, yeah, you know, we're playing a high-flying offense. We might have to run the ball a little bit more. Again, I'm not saying call the play. I'm saying set the philosophical direction for that week. That's what a head coach is doing when he's watching tape and things like that. So, yeah, tape is all over the place. Position coaches and coordinators probably watch a little bit more tape. You know what I'm saying? Um, Because, again, they're the ones dealing directly with the player, giving the player the tools in his tool belt so that the guy can go out there and do his job. And then there's practice. Oh, yeah. There's practice. We just got to practice? Yeah. I feel like I've been talking forever and we just got to practice. We did. Practice, (laughs) generally, we're talking about Wednesday through Saturday. If it's a road week, a little different because of travel Mm -hmm. on either Friday or Saturday. There's a full practice on Wednesday and then the the practices actually get shorter as the week progresses there. And then you get essentially no pads on Saturday. 
why even bother? All I hear about What's from, well, the full pad deal, like why are we in pads this much? And I know it's been cut down, but all I keep hearing about is dudes struggling to get out of bed, the pain that's there. Like why even bother going? Is there a real, is there well, that we signed much up to be for that. Okay. When I decided to play football sure. a long time ago, when I got a scholarship to go to Penn State, when I got drafted and decided to sign that signing bonus and cash that check, yeah. I signed up for aches and pains and getting out the bed slow and all that. I know exactly what I signed up for. I'll make an example like this. So, Mike, you're a great host, bro. You oh, I appreciate that. Amazing. Like, the way you are able to handle ideas. Sometimes I see the teleprompter be breaking on TA and you still be handling it, doing all you think. <laughs> it's amazing. No, seriously. I appreciate but that. You're able to do that right because you, you had reps. the reps yeah of it's all reps it. yeah. you had the reps of you're messing up a few times not doing oh, yeah. it as perfectly oh, as you yeah. wanted to do it and so now you've gotten to a point where you know i do my thing even if i do mess up i ain't really mess up because you know what i'm saying yeah, that's yeah. my that's what i do same thing with football players they need the work with full pads on because that's what the game is played in full pads you know what i'm saying yeah. um i get taking care of the player I get that the rules have kind of parred down a little bit where you're not in pads every week or you don't have to be in pads every week. And, yes, you do have to take some of the hits off the guys. But, look, I play fullback. And we had a podcast before where I said, I used to tell some of the scout guys, hey, look, bro, I know we ain't have pads today, but I need you to go put on your pads. Sure, sure. Because I need that work at the end of practice. You got to get lathered up. Football is a physical sport. You cannot play the game of football without doing physical activities and that's practicing with your pads on it's also interesting too because i've heard this over the years and not to make this a college thing because i know it does happen occasionally in the pros but i'll reference it because i know firsthand when usc and willie would be mad willie mcgins stop i'm bringing this up but when usc was dealing with a lot of sanctions they were low on numbers mm -hmm. and to combat it they weren't tackling in practice and then all of a sudden you saw tackling become an issue in some of their games because just dudes weren't doing that during the course of the week. So I think what you're speaking to in terms of reps is a real thing. Early on in football seasons, we Mike, you hear it, man. We, we see Twitter. We see social yeah, media. Yeah. We got to deal with it on some of the shows here at NFL Network, how the fans are like, oh, man, yeah. what's going on? My guys are missing. We see it every week. The first six weeks of the season are essentially preseason. It's essentially guys getting enough game reps. Yeah to master the craft. Yeah, no, I'm with you there. One other note, by the way, on coaches and their schedules, because I think a lot of people watch Thursday Night Football on Amazon. What's fascinating to me is the amount of times that you hear Al Michaels and Herb Street talk about the meetings that they're having with players and coaches. That is a huge part of the broadcast and a part of their responsibility ahead of the game to give you some intel, talk to you about some things off the record, mm -hmm. some things clearly, some things on the record to get a sense of what's about to happen during the course of the week. The point is, coaches are pretty damn busy. Coming up next here, I know what you're thinking. They're getting paid, right? It's all about the Benjamins. Find out about those paychecks. <laughs> a little bit more when we come back here on the NFL Explained Podcast. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. My name is Johnny B. Good, and I'm the host of the new podcast, Creating a Con, the story of BitCon. Over this nine-part series, I'll explore the life and crimes of my best friend, Ray Trapani. I always wanted to be a criminal. 
If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. You see, Ray has this unique ability to find loopholes and exploit them. They collected $30 million. There were headlines about it. His company, Centratech, was one of the hottest crypto startups in 2017. It was going to change the world, until it didn't. They came into my office, opened my email, and the subject heading was FBI request. It was only a matter of time before the truth came out. You can only fake it till you make it for so long before they find out that your Harvard degree is not so crimson. How could you sit there and do something that you know will objectively cause more harm in the world? Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with season two of the award-winning film podcast, and this time with a lot more movies. I'm your host, Alex Fumero, and each week I'm going to talk to the people behind some of my favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the OG spy kid, Alexa Penavega. You had Carlo Gugino, who's the coolest mom ever. You had Antonio, who's handsome, amazing, charismatic. And then Carmen and Juni. I felt like a lot of other kids felt like this could be me. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Every episode will feature interviews with the biggest actors, directors, writers, and producers behind your favorite films and tap into the history of Latinos in film. Listen to More Than a Movie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the NFL Explained podcast. I made reference to it in our last episodes. Nothing wrong with sliding into the DMs. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> at real Mike Rob at Mike underscore Yam. We've been getting questions from you. I'm legit excited. I, we've gotten some good ones so far. If there's a topic or a question you want answered, I promise we will work it into our mailbag episode. So keep some of those comments and those questions coming our way. But I had made reference to some of the cash and the checks, like. At the end of the day, everyone knows a lot of these players are making serious money. I mean, we were always referring to a lot of those contracts, but NFL coaching salaries, not always released to the public. So we put together, we got a little bit of data. We know some people who know some people, uh, put together an NFL head coaching salary sort of list, a couple notable contracts and just sort of some sources that we really trust. The average coach, three to four million per year on the low end and over 10 million a year on the high end. Pete Carroll, not that we need to be blowing up anyone's salaries, and but we're going to do it anyway. <laughs> Signed an extension, 11 plus mil in December of 2018. Our guy, Ian Rappaport, he said he signed another five-year extension to make him one of the most highly compensated, if not the highest paid coach in the NFL. That five-year extension, that was reported by Adam Schefter in 2018. Rappaport had those original numbers. Cincinnati, Zach Taylor, he signed an undisclosed extension this offseason after being one of the lowest paid NFL coaches at $3.75 million wow. per year. That's according That's to Schefter. That's all he was making? Yeah. It's nice they to get to have been this. making more than that. I mean, and look, I know people are like Mike. Did you just say three point seven five? That's no. all. No. If the most important position is the quarterback position, and that guy 
salary yeah. is ballooning around 40 million per and you're supposed to be one of those guys that can make those guys one of the best in the league i think you should make more than three and a half million yeah know? get get to a super bowl that'll also yeah. also help get you, get you that raise uh david cully at houston signed a fully guaranteed four-year 22 million dollar contract 2021 fired after one season mm. bring me the cash give me my bread and then fire me you're gonna hear from me for the next three years 11 i know <laughs> seriously 11 million Money well spent? I would say yes, especially the ones that have a proven track record, like the ones, you know, obviously the Belichicks, the Pete Carrolls, the guys that have been proven to go places and win. I think they should, especially when you look at the TV money, the ballooning salaries of players. Yeah. I mean, if everybody, if, if all ships are rising, truly let all ships rise. rise. I do yeah. think head coaches should make more too. And I do think the ones that can go into any football situation and help their team. I mean by this, you got your Sean McVay's, your offensive gurus, you got your Ty Bowles, your defensive gurus and play callers. Those guys, okay. Ty Bowles sees the game sure. through a certain lens, okay? He sees the game happening. He's going to always look at, well, how can we stop them from doing the positive? You see what I'm saying? Because that's a that's a defensive concept. That's a defensive way of thinking. Uh, Sean McVay is going to always be in attack mode. He's always going to say, oh, they scoring. Okay, how can we score more? Yeah. You see what I'm saying? It's a different way of looking at it. But when you got that coach, and again, I, I had Joe Paterno in college, but there's coaches out there in the National Football League, i.e. Bill Belichick, whatever, who, and I know Bill Belichick has a defensive specialty to it, but can walk into any situation at halftime. remember being down by two touchdowns. I think it was the Green Bay may have been to somebody else with uh, the Seattle Seahawks. And Pete Carroll walked into the offensive side and said, hey, I know we're down by 14 points, but we're going to go 22 personnel, which is two tight ends, two running backs, and one wide receiver. We're going to go 22 and 21 personnel the rest of the game, and we're going to win. And we looked like, but that goes against conventional wisdom. He saw something. Yeah. He saw they couldn't handle beast mode. He saw the weak side run game out of two tight ends. They couldn't handle. Again, a coach walking into a football situation and lending his expertise. And at the end of the day, if we win or lose, it falls on him. Yeah. That's his job. That's You see what I'm saying? So it's always nice from a player standpoint to look at a guy and know that you have a guy that can walk in any situation and help you. If you're listening to this podcast, well, clearly you're listening to this podcast, <laughs> but if you just heard M-Rob, well, you did hear M-Rob, M-Rob just said 22 personnel. If that's confusing to you, I do encourage people to go there back go. to one of our previous episodes there where we go. talked about offensive play calling and what that actually entails. It is a great recap for anyone here that has been checking out the NFL Explained podcast. Uh, game day is sort of an interesting scenario. You got the morning of, you're, you're, of course, if you're a coach, you're looking at some of the game film, that one last look at it, you're probably with your family, maybe that pregame meal, going over some last minute stuff. Late morning, you go from hotel to the stadium, even if you're the home team, because the home mm -hmm. team also stays at a hotel. Once you get there, you're making some determinations on actives and inactives. You meet with your coaches, players, game officials, announcers as well. From an inactive, active selection, what goes into that if you're a head coach? Man, first and foremost is injuries. Yeah. Like most guys are active or inactive based off of health. Can they, you know, can they physically go out there and help the team and do their job and be the best version of themselves? Yeah, you have guys that are part of the 53-man roster that you already know, okay, this guy probably will be inactive. We'll have him just in case somebody in this position group goes down. But injuries determine a lot of those inactives. Game plan, like, 
okay, we want to run the football. Going back to that example that I said a little bit earlier, we're dealing with a high-powered team. Offensively, we want to run the football because defensively, we may have some issues stopping the other team. So maybe we bring up a running back this week. Maybe we put down a linebacker this week and you kind of play that chess game. And then last but not least, business, man. I mean, I don't know if I should be saying it on an NFL podcast, but... Uh, it's just you know, me and you. Just me and you. Ain't nobody. Just me and just you. Just me and you. Okay, ain't nobody just else here. Just me and you. Okay, cool. Well, you know, sometimes a guy might need some catches for a certain incentive. Well, yeah, I've seen well, it happen. Yeah. And they're like, well, you said what about yeah. me? You said this about me, but we already losing. Um, you're gonna be inactive today. We're not gonna be you're not gonna be able to get that bonus. Or Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, what if he was still yeah. what if Trey Lance was still healthy or whatever and Jimmy Garoppolo was on the team? They'd probably make him inactive every week. Yeah. You know yeah. what I'm saying? So business does play a role in it. Super Bowl year for the Bucs. A couple of years ago, Tom mm-hmm. Brady was aware. Uh, even Bruce Arians had made reference to some guys being close to bonuses. They made a concerted effort late yeah, in that right, season to get, get get those dudes the rock. Sean McVay does the same thing, yeah. man. Who, who need a bonus? Who, get them a catch. Yeah. Let's go. Yeah, get your dudes paid. You mentioned some of the in-game adjustments that come at halftime. You gave us an example before. Those big-time speeches that we see in the movies, is that a thing? Uh... That's not, a no. No, not really. Yeah. Not really. Is you the the speeches, the real good speeches to me come from the players or the position coaches. Cause they, I mean yeah. they in the yeah. fire, man. Yeah. I mean, they are the ones that are literally going back and forth with the opponent. You know what I'm saying? But one thing a head coach can do, a head coach can alleviate doubt at halftime. If you're doubting your yeah. team. If you're doubting your uh, opportunity to come back in a game, if you're doubting your ability to finish, the head coach makes you go all in. You know the 33 rule, right? Sure. 33% of people going to be leaders. 33% yep. of people are going to be able to go either way. And 33, look, man, I ain't doing it. The head coach is that bottom 33. The head coach goes after them. Then the upper 33 during that halftime speech raises all ships. Coin flip. Who's making the call? Usually the head coach come oh, yeah. Okay. Usually the head coach will come over. I know when I was always calling a coin flip, it would always be it's so funny. It would always be the head coach find me because I for whatever reason they wanted me to talk. Head coach would find me, but he would always have the field goal kicker right next to him. And the field goals kicker basically licking his thumb, seeing what direction the wind is going, <laughs> throwing up grass, yeah. acting like he's a meteorologist. He's talking about weather and the angles and degrees and and halftime and the uh. sunsets and this that. And uh, yeah, but it, the final one comes down to the head coach. Okay. I made reference to coaches and their ages a little bit earlier. We've taken people through, generally speaking, what the coaches are doing during the week. Responsibilities, calling plays. You're thinking to yourself, well, you got some coaches who already have coordinators. So who's doing what? Here's how I'm going to break it down for you. 32 head coaches, 18 of them call the plays on defense or offense. As you could imagine, 14 of those coaches are calling offense, only four calling defense. And just so that you have some sort of semblance of whose specialty is what, I'll take you through it. Cliff Kingsbury, Arthur Smith, Zach Taylor, Kevin Stefanski, Nathaniel Hackett, Matt LaFleur, Frank Reich, Doug Peterson, Andy Reid, Josh McDaniels, Sean McVay, Mike McDaniel, Mm -hmm. Kevin O'Connell, Kyle Shanahan, all on the offensive side. Defensively, Lovey Smith, Brandon Staley, Dennis Allen, Todd Bowles. Obvious question. You could put Bill Belichick in that and Pete Carroll. They're both defensive. Okay. More slotted to that side. We'll we'll lean that way. (laughs) I think the obvious question here is, if you ain't calling plays, 
What are you doing? All right, Mike. You know I meditate, right? Did yeah. I tell you that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I meditate a lot. You actually didn't tell me. I feel like I would have already known that. Like, that's <laughs> I meditate very a lot. obvious to me. Uh, I'm really deep when it comes yeah. to that. And meditation really is the ability to stay focused on one thing without allowing other stuff in. And your reality comes with what you focus on the most of. You see what I'm saying? The head coach's job is to keep a pulse on the team and to remind everyone with the direction and the purpose always is. He keeps the team focused so that the reality that the entire team wants can come to fruition. Now, things happen. Yeah. We're all human. And that conscious focus on that goal sometimes gets skewed. You know, somebody, you know, if the media starts talking about that head coach's job being up, you know, up for grabs or whatever, that can skew his focus and things sure. like that. But the good ones stay focused. That's why I love Bill Belichick, man. You hear him, hear him at the press conference. He's the same old dude. No. He may give you a little half smile, but he's the same old dude over and over and over. And another thing a head coach does, because it's in human nature, is to blame it on somebody. Right? We lose. Yeah, point the know, finger. Point the finger. And that's good mental health for the players, right? Because you don't want them to be down on themselves. And that's why you always see the good coaches, i.e. Sean McVay, i.e. Pete Carroll, the Bill Belichick. That was on me. I did that. That was on me. Any decisions that they're making that I'm not thinking of during the game? Any decisions? Oh, I, I mean, can... to me, like, Brandon Staley, I just brought up his name. Like, he's gotten a lot of heat for, like, those fourth down Fourth calls, down. Right? Like, I think I wrote a mind. few down. Okay. Penalty outcomes. Okay. Whether to go for it or not on fourth down, I think you were just going there with Brandon Staley. Whether to kick a field goal, punt or not, talk to the white hat and the officials and to make them aware of their jobs. You know what I'm saying? Um, guarantee the players' needs are being met and are armed to do their job effectively, basically meaning putting the pressure sure. on the assistant coaches so that these guys are armed to do their job again keeping everybody focused on the goal at hand. Is there, look, I, I just mentioned the, the some of the coaches that we have in the NFL. There's some really high-level guys that have achieved so much in this league. When you reflect back to either your playing days or guys that you've been around, anyone that comes to mind and you would say, hey, revolutionize the game? Revolutionize the game. Ooh. Um, you, hear me, you hear me talk a lot about Pete Carroll, I think. Yeah. His approach as far as being more of a player coach, always focusing on the positive, never really bringing up or highlighting the negativity was revolutionary. And I think his first stint as a head coach, the league wasn't ready for it. The second stint, the sure. league was ready for it. The, the, the right young person uh, started to come through. People may not know this, but Mike Martz, the yeah. architect of the greatest show on turf for the St. Louis Rams, he was my offensive coordinator in San Francisco for a couple of years. And I think he revolutionized offense with timing and spacing and the quarterback being able to hit his last step, let the ball go to an area, to a space, and allowing the receiver to come into it. Things like that are now just part of everyday vernacular, part of everyday NFL concepts. You know what's sort of interesting? I, I keep seeing Kyle Shanahan. I've been up to the Bay Area numerous times. I know, obviously, I saw his dad, Mike, uh, what he was able to do with the Broncos for a really long period of time and, and have success there. I'm always fascinated by, like, the father-sons, like, what those mm -hmm. calls are on those off days. Like, if dad's been watching something, it's almost like having an additional coach like, now, on your staff. The Shanahan's, I'm actually glad you said that now. They have been revolutionary. I've never played yeah. with them. Yeah. But, you know, obviously Bill Walsh 
most of the West Coast concepts are now just regular, just part of everyday football. Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan, those guys, that Shanahan style, that the way that you run the football, the way that you coach the offensive line, the way that you coach the running back to get to a spot, make a decision, and then it, it, it's easy playing it after that. I, I do think that Shanahan system has revolutionized the game, but then you have guys like Matt LaFleur who went his way with it. You got yeah. Sean McVay who out-leverages defenses by motion shifts and the, 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 the wide receiver diversity that he has. That's how he went his way with it. Kyle Shanahan, the younger Shanahan, the way he out-leverages defenses by not only motions and shifts, but by the ball carrier, who's carrying the football. And just in the run game, I just don't think that there's a better guy at out-leveraging a defense. So he took that Shanahan, his dad Shanahan offense, to a whole nother direction. I think the Shanahan system right now is probably the most revolutionary system in today's modern game. Yeah, it's kind of wild, man. Like, and I wonder what those conversations are really like between those two dudes when they're just talking ball. I, like, I, if dad's like, dude, I'm proud of you. You know, like, this is I'm cool. I'm sure he is, but I guarantee you he's challenging them. Yeah. Well, if a defense does this, you can't do this. Yeah. And Kyle's saying, hell, Dad, but if I do this in the backfield, my backfield action is this, his eyes are going to go here. And it's a big game of chess, man. Yeah. <laughs> I remember when I first got to ESPN, someone gave me a piece of advice. They said, look, you're working with so many different anchors and hosts. Take and see what people are doing and use it yourself. But like your own style is going to morph out of that just naturally mm -hmm. from just doing your thing. You can't mimic and completely copy someone else. And I think the way you just described it with a lot of these coaches, it's the same thing, right? Like there's some core base concepts that are there and then everyone just sort of puts their little pixie dust, their personal pixie dust on it and it becomes their own. It becomes their own. And even when you look at, if you really study Bill Walsh and his story, I mean, he talks about it often. I think we may have talked about it here. Yeah. He talked about developing his offense out of desperation. I mean, stuff was happening. Injuries was happening. They had a certain quarterback at the job. So that's how the West Coast short passing system came to fruition. Oftentimes it's injuries. Oftentimes it's things that are happening. Human human beings are very smart. Things are happening with their team, and you're just like, okay, how can I figure this out? Yeah. That's how the spread system went in. That's how read option happened. That's how RPOs happened. Oh, my offensive line isn't that good. Well, everybody blocked down, and we'll just handle everybody with the ball handle ball travels faster than, than players. So, and that's how that came to fruition. I love it, man. Yeah, I could talk about this all day. Man. No, seriously. And <laughs> look, I, we can and we will continue to have these types of conversations throughout the course of the season. We've been talking a little bit about the duties of a head football coach. Hopefully you've enjoyed this episode. And if you didn't, you just get into Mike Rob's DMs. At Real Stay Mike on Rob. my DMs. <laughs> my wife said no. <laughs> at Real Mike Rob. At Mike underscore Yam. NFL head coaches and what they do. Explain. You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower, 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Johnny B. Good, the host of the podcast Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin. This podcast dives deep into the story of Ray Trapani and his company, Centratech. I'll explore how 320-somethings built a company out of lies, deceit, and greed. I've been saying since a very young age that I was going to be a millionaire. If someone's like, oh, what's your best way of making money? I'm like, oh, we should start some sort of scheme. Listen to Creating a Con, the story of Bitcoin, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.